Hello and welcome to episode number six of Critical Conversations in the C-Suite. Our guest this week is Jasmine Francois, CEO of Gabriel Enterprises Consulting Group in Washington, D.C. The consulting group has been in business since 2010. And in this conversation, Jasmine is going to take us and help us understand how to go beyond the mission statement and create a true culture that helps to grow your organization, give stellar experience to your customers, and make employees want to do and give their all. Jasmine is responsible for running all facets of the business with a proven executive management track record of over 10 years in the private industry. She is focused on driving sales growth in technology, product delivery, management consulting, and strategic planning. Recent accomplishments include the opening of a new office in Alexandria, Virginia in 2018, as well as contract awards with GSA IT Schedule 70, EFAS Federal Aviation Administration, and the Small Business Administration. Jasmine has been steadily positioning her company to capture new business and strategic partnerships by ensuring strategic hires for her leadership team. Prior to starting a woman-owned, minority-owned small business, Jasmine provided consulted support to the Department of Defense, military health systems, delivering technical assistance and training support to the Office of the Secretary of Defense Health Affairs Workforce. Jasmine earned her master's in business administration at the University of Maryland, University College, and pursued a second master's in information systems also at UMUC. In addition to supporting federal clients, her passion takes off when employees are continually recognized and rewarded as critical resources and are given the opportunity to grow the business through innovation. Let's go ahead and dive into our interview this week with Jasmine Francois on Critical Conversations in the C-Suite. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Critical Conversations in the C-Suite. I am excited to have with me my colleague, Jasmine Francois uh, of Gabriel Enterprise Consulting out of Washington, D.C., who is going to come today to be a part of our conversation about what do leaders need to know in leading organizations during any time in the market, but in what we're facing right now of still navigating this new normal of COVID. So, Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and appreciate the invitation to Gabriel Enterprises Consulting Group. We are so excited to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you. So tell us about Gabriel Enterprises Consulting. Let's start with the consulting and then we're going to talk a little bit about your story. Okay. Okay. So Gabriel Enterprises Consulting Group has been in business for 10 years. We operate in the Washington, D.C. area. Our office is in Alexandria Old Town uh, by the waterfront. Um, we have been supporting our federal customers and clients uh, through uh, various modes of training, delivery, development, and innovation. So that's our passion. We love uh, to be educators and innovators in that space. And so that, that's what we love to do, to bring education to the forefront in a, in a way that is meaningful and intuitive to the, the learning population. So um, our customers range from the Office of Personnel Management, uh, one of our long-term customers, Export-Import Bank is also one of our long-term customers. We love them. And then um, I would be remiss not mentioning the Small Business Administration, which is an incredible client to support. Um, they're very innovative and very 
forward thinking, and really all of our agency customers um, are that way. And so um, we have had the opportunity to deliver um, quality service to each of these clients, which has resulted in additional referrals to other agencies and other agency clients. And so um, we've we've had um, a great deal of success in supporting the federal government through training and innovative training solutions. I love that. So you are a heavy support in the B2 government space um, versus the commercial yes. B2B space. So let me just take it back from notch. Did you always want to work with the government? Is this sort of where you started? How did you get to this part of your story and career of working with the government? And, and I will say, Jasmine and her team know their stuff. So when it comes to training, development, helping helping the agencies navigate, did you always want to get into mm-hmm. that space? How did you land here? Yeah, so thank you. That is a great question. So I am um, a lifelong educator, and my passion is education. So initially, I started um, as an instructor at uh, Tufts College of Technology, and that um, uh, was bought out by Kaplan University. And so I was one of their uh, instructors on campus. And um, it was more technical back then in terms of uh, delivering networking essentials and active directory uh, support and that sort of thing and administration. So, you know, I was really a, a tech techie back then as an IT instructor, but I've always loved education. And so when I had the opportunity to go and support um, the federal government, um, military health uh, system, um, it, was, it was a joy to be able to re-engineer their whole training delivery. They had a huge audience you know, 2,400, and did not have the capability to to really support all of that. And so I helped redesign their training innovation center. And this was, uh, you know, a while back, you know, in the 2005 era and so much. And so um, enjoyed working with them. But And then as I started to move through companies and, and, and identify opportunities to create training and, and learning innovation for them, um, there was a period where some of these uh, companies that I worked for were not really winning their recompetes with federal customers. And so what that can sometimes mean is that you're either furloughed for a little bit or, you know, you receive a, a you know, coffee mug, a box and a little <laughs> check on the way out the door. And as, as, as God would have it, um, that happened to me several times. Mm-hmm. And I finally just said, <laughs> you know, I can do this. Um, I'm just going to cut out the middleman because at the end of the day, for me, it was important to ask the customer, you know, um, what is it that you really need? What is it that you desire? What are your desired outcomes? Um, and understanding at a, a moment's notice that, okay, if you're having this issue, let's do an assessment to find out why. So that we can deliver a solution that is uh, best suited for you. And so not being able to be at front and center with the customer and ask those questions and have that relayed back to me. And then I have to pull, you know, something amazing out of, out of the hat for that customer without even knowing what their concerns are. After a while, I kind of was like, listen, I, I want to hear from the customer directly. I want to know, did we support all of the mission-centered um, um, operations that you had, where did we fall short, and you know how can we uh, over deliver the next time? And so, 
once I started building my business, it that was the ultimate. I wanted to do what I love, which was training, but then also I knew all the pitfalls of training, execution, design, delivery, and implementation. And it was, I could see so many places where one or two or more steps were being missed. And it resulted in either low attendance, uh, miscommunication, added confusion. And I was like, you know, this could be answered by sitting down and finding out what, what is it you're looking to do? And some clients wanted to be strategic and educating their resources so they could go after future work. Other clients, is, they, they were just, they were very serious about compliance and being in compliance um, because of some of the um, CMMI uh, modeling uh, criteria that they needed to follow. So everyone had kind of a different focus, but you can't, there's no one size fits all. And so I was uh, thrilled to be the architect of a customized solution for my customers. And to no avail, you know, it just continued to, to lead to additional work because the quality of work was so in-depth and it was long-standing that it spoke for itself. And, and it was always, you know, who, who did this for you and who delivered this for you? And it was always Gabriel Enterprises. And so um, that's kind of how we got into, how, we, how I got into that. And um, it, it was a blessing in disguise to, to be given the opportunity. And I have to tell you, it's never felt like work. It has always felt like I wake up and I cannot wait to get to my desk, to talk to a customer, to deliver training, and then to work with our training team and our DevOps team to, you know, create this innovative solution. It's just, it has never worked for me. And it's always, I'm always consumed by this uh, passion of education and excellence and, and really closing the loop on solving an issue for a customer. So Jasmine, what you just shared with us, you know, it's so interesting. We're pivoting the conversation into really adult learning. Because what we have found that 2020 has brought is an increase in virtual meetings, virtual education for the corporate space, for those that are in leadership positions. Um, there, I think there was a recent announcement around online distance learning will be the way to go for companies, even as they engage with their customers and their internal team. You said something really interesting about um, ensuring that you have the right experience in the training and delivering it and really knowing what does the customer need. I'd like to ask you, let's, let's sort of take this from a position of there's leaders that are watching this and their internal customer, which is something we teach here at Boss, is their employees, their board of directors, mm -hmm. The external customers are the actual purchasing customer. Where should a leader first begin now that they're faced with the, the call to do so much distance learning, so much virtual learning, but we're hearing the virtual space, people are burnt out about going to virtual events, virtual meetings. Um, we're not always putting our camera on as we did in the beginning. Um, where should a leader yeah. start when they're wanting to create that virtual learning experience? How should they ensure they're really meeting the need of their audience? Absolutely. That's a great question. And so um, how do you know you're meeting the needs of your audience? You have your ear to the ground. Mm -hmm. You're constantly getting feedback from your participants and from your customer. And you use that to continue to shape and, and, and really refine that delivery process. So 
you have got to have your ear on the ground and it should be one is listening to the customer, one is listening to um, your delivery team. Because if your delivery team is not happy, your customer is not going to be happy. Your employees are just as important as the customer, if not more. So number one takeaway is you need superstars. And when you find superstars, treat them as such. Give them the room and space to grow your business, to refine the process, to take ownership of what it means to expand a capability of a company. That's number one. Your human capital is critical. And so um, when you find good people, they will build a business for you. Then they have to understand that the customer is why we're here, not our solution. The customer is why we're here. So if they are focused on meeting and exceeding every requirement, timely, quality, excellent, excellent delivery, according to specs and requirements, you know, it, it meshes, it blends together. So um, I, I have to say, if, if you don't invest in superstars, um, you're never going to be able to deliver superstar quality. You're just not. Um, and superstars, they should be an exact copy of your most um, essential subject matter expert and resource. That's very helpful. And then if you don't have that on tap, you go and find those incredible subject matter experts to support the internal team and let them know that, you know, pay them well, pay them their worth, um, give them an opportunity to also spread, you know, their, their footprint within that space. Um, so there's enough room to share. And so if you're generous with opportunity to innovate, opportunity to hear from the customer and from the employee. That is where it's going to really start. That's the ground. That's the foundation there. Number two, our, um, our internal Zoom meetings, we make them fun. You know, sometimes it's, okay, before we start, we'll start with, um, you know, our favorite, you know, three jokes. They've all got to be clean jokes or the, the, you know, the most funniest thing you've ever heard or the coolest song you like or your, your favorite movie. And um, sometimes, it, you know, for our, our leadership team, it's like, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? You know, um, whatever it is to make people feel like they don't work for you, they support your mission, your dream, your passion. When you, they have that buy-in to what you're doing, um, you, you can't go wrong. And I have found that just relaxing and not being so, I'm the boss. There's no need for that. I'm, I'm the type of uh, CEO where, um, I roll up my sleeves. Let's get in there. Let's make sure it is of the utmost quality. And to the point where I have drilled that into the workforce to where I don't always have to be there now because they know the type of quality. And, you know, they've gotten me to kind of, you know, relax a little bit. You know, when is it elegant enough, Jasmine? And so then I say, okay, it's not, it's not to the excellent pinnacle, but it is elegant enough to, to be able to put out there and stand on its own. And so being able to have honest conversations about where are you? Where's your headspace? You know, how did that meeting go to you? Was there something that I didn't hear from you? Check in, like, you know, heart-to-heart check-ins. Now, maybe, you know, this is just my style. Some owners could, could really just care less, just get the job done. No, 
I want to know how you're feeling, how you're doing, where you're struggling, what do you need from me, and mean it, you know, and and address it because your your best resources are just as important as your best customers. So you've got to take care of home, you know, take care of business. And so Zoom fatigue, we schedule them as needed, but on a regular basis. Not everything you have to have a meeting for. Um, and I was, I was taught that by my, um, my lead operations guy, you know, not everything you need a meeting for, not everything needs a phone call. Sometimes it's a quick, uh, I am sometimes, you know, we use Marco Polo internally, um, to kind of just do like that walkie talkie bounce ideas off of each other. Sometimes it's a brainstorming session and it really gets the juices flowing. Everyone's comfortable. Everyone feels free to speak. No judgment zone, judgment free zone. You know, and so being a part of the team, it really, um, it really is like skin in the game for them too. That okay, you know, our CEO hears us; she's out there battling for us, and she knows what's going on. Um, and so, you know, maybe I'm a helicopter CEO, but <laughs> I, I mean, delivering quality service and support to the customer is paramount, and you can't do that without taking care of your employees. So, That's so I guess true. that was a long answer. No, you touched on so much there. And, and I, I, what I wanted to dive into a little bit deeper, if we can unpack it. So it sounds like you've set up a culture within your organization that is a trusted culture amongst the team. And then also mm-hmm. they can openly give communication back to you and have dialogue. So it's, it's, it's understanding that there's a hierarchy, but there's a flow within the organization. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, over the years, our, you know, our kind of our, what our company culture started out was passion for excellence. And you could obviously tell that <laughs> that's what I strive for. Um, but that has, um, you know, I had leadership that was really observant of the types of qualities that I brought to the table, to meetings, to products and deliverables, and kind of took note of the way I talked. And he's like, you know, Jasmine, you love everything you do and you use that word so intently. And I said, yes, because I mean it. He said, why don't we start to um, kind of just uh, refine this culture that really aligns with who, who you are and what you want to see every day. And I was like, okay. And that's where it became. We love our customers. We love our employees. We love the work we do and we love our community. And in every facet, you know, that, that's what we want to do. And if you can do all those things, then, um, you know, for Gabriel Enterprise team, we, we're, we've met the mark. And so anytime we're in a situation where we're not loving the work or not loving the customer, which is not a good situation to be in, um, it's, it's not a good fit. Right. And there are times, no matter how bad you might want the work, you have to ask yourself, is this the type of contract that will take us to the next level that will initiate growth. You know, is this the type of of customer that is going to expand our footprint because of the potential of a follow-on work? And so, you know, you might kind of say, these are good margins, but, you know, good margins and and a constant headache, it's, it's, they zero out, right? So, um, yeah, so culture, um, love, love, love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that, you know, I love that you brought that up because I think this can really help leaders that 
I think are struggling in two areas. You know, we started this show because of feedback we heard indirectly in the marketplace from leaders really struggling with the entire work from home. You know, our office here in Los Angeles, I think they asked for only um, essential businesses to stay open and other businesses can have capacity of 25 to 35%, depending if you're retail, but they're really encouraging, please have a work from home force. Well, if you can do that, great. But I think what leaders are struggling with is how do I ensure the work's getting done and it's being done effectively and it's being done. I mean, I I think there's some give and take you have to have with it. I've had uh, people say, well, my employees logged off, but they should have told me they logged off before. Well, if they normally walk out the door at four and they're at home now and they sign off at four, it's pretty much the same thing. So can we, let's yeah. first talk about, then I want to get into what you were saying about picking the right type of business, who you want to do business with, but for, for that leader who this is all new for them, maybe they didn't have the tech in-house of how to keep communications right. Maybe they were more of a micromanager they're finding now where they needed to see was things being done. It, it, can you talk to the struggle with what should they do to adapt to the time, but also understand the business has to get done, but there has to be some give and take, or you will lose the superstars on your team that are keeping the business yeah. moving forward. Could you give our audience some tips? Yeah. It sounds like you have navigated that extremely well. Uh, absolutely. So I'll be honest, my uh, first crew, um, maybe four or five years ago, just wasn't you know, up to par for the level that I wanted. And so um, as we started to rethink our resources, um, it was a matter of what what do they need to be able to achieve success? And so luckily I had that question in my mind, but it took coming across a superstar and what he needed to be, to reach his his ultimate success in his mind. And so there were a few things that I had to learn and micromanaging had to go out the door because you cannot micromanage a superstar. You can't. No. They, if they're a superstar, they will always deliver. They will over deliver. They will probably put in 50 hours a week. So hands off. That's number one. Let them flow because they're going to deliver quality work once they know the ask. Okay. Um, and that includes uh, number two, Eyes off the time card. Mm-hmm. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. Because we are in an environment where if you have children, you've got to take that, you know, kind of walk them through maybe some virtual classes and virtual sessions. Um, you ha- are literally having to tap dance around your business, work life, and your home life that is happening outside that door. Yeah. And, you know, many times you have children running into a meeting and what do you do? You have to just kind of, you know, I think we've, we've seen even some of our political leaders experience that where kids are kind of coming in the room and (laughs) news like, Hey, I want to be on the news. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got to really hands off the wheel and, and just let it be on autopilot for a little bit. And then if there's certain things that are beyond the minuscule, like it's, you feel like it is um, taking you away from the intended delivery that you want your business to be able to provide, then you make some minor course corrections. Yes. And you have to have a good relationship with your superstar to be able to speak freely and they not take it in a sense. So number one, the teleworking, don't expect eight hours. 
You don't in a consecutive sitting point. And there are days where you can't expect eight hours. There are days where you might get four hours out of your superstar. And there are other days where you might get 18 hours out of your superstar because, you know, um, the, the kids are off school or whatever, and they can do what they want. So as long as you meet that, um, that quality, that level of service, that work, try not to focus too much on hours. I mean, if, and this is, talk to me like several years ago, I would have been like, mm -mm, 40 hours, that's it. It better be on a time card. No, that's not how stars grow. They don't grow by hour. And I have learned um, that the superstars, when they're given an outcome, a desired outcome, the, whatever it takes to achieve that is what's going to happen. Yes. If you give tasks, you're just going to get the, the product, the output of the task. Mm -hmm. If you give desired results um, and an expected end date to receiving those results, whatever task that needs to happen to ensure that successful delivery, it will happen. And it can take 50 hours, 70 hours, or it might take 37. You know, it, you've got to kind of pull back on that. Um, so just kind of, um, and then also giving folks um, everything they need. If they're working from home and they need toner, printer, a second laptop, another monitor, cover it. Yeah. It's a small expense to incur to ensure that your employee has everything they need to be successful. If they need a new software, if, you know, their computer has died and they need some, uh, you know, um, you know, a corporate phone or corporate laptop, what have you, give it to them. Ensure their success because then there's no excuse. You've given them the opportunity, the space to grow, the equipment to achieve the desired outcome, desired results. If you have a superstar, you will not be disappointed with what you get. You so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, and this is so good, Jasmine, is about <laughs> setting standards for your organization. So yeah. we call it here, boss, of, you know, what's your vision? I, I just did a, a virtual executive roundtable today and about market expansion. And, and I hit them with what's the vision for the organization, right? It, it, because it all starts there. So what do you mean? What do you say? Because when I think of Gabriel Enterprise Consulting, I think of a tall bar excellence, always delivering on yeah. point. And that's what yeah. I saw on the outside. And then experiencing you know, your team, it's because of the standard you set as the leader and then it, it grew. And so I believe that organizations that are meeting the bar is because they have set as leaders, what do we stand for? What's okay? What's not okay? Um, I remember yeah. years ago, and I don't think many people still adhere to this, but we do. If your shift started at nine, 845, you were late. It, it was just that that basic standard of being able to get get that piece together. And then with that standard, it flows into the work. It flows into the customers that you want to work with, don't want to work with. So when you were setting the standard for your organization, how did you instill that within your team? We've talked about the flow, and I like that you start your Zoom meetings with something fun, but people are yeah into an organization from being jaded from other past work experiences, or maybe they've never even heard vision or standard. I, I sense a very strong level of positivity uh, within your organization. How do you yeah. 
how do you bring someone who's coming in from the real world that they don't have any of that, but into the enhanced real world of what you set as a standard? How do you onboard them and get them to understand this is we're more than a mission statement? Yes, absolutely. That oh, I love this question. Let me tell you why. Because because of my you know endless pursuit of quality, high quality, and excellence, that is kind of the the first thing from the CEO, you know, that you hear that what we deliver, no matter what it is, it should be able to stand on its own as a true uh, document of reference, of a resource, it should be versatile. And the expectation that whatever you send to the customer might be shared 100 times, understand the, you know, how that is, that can transfer from office to office and land on senior leadership in the agency's desk. That's how you have to think that what we are putting together may wind up in a decision maker's hand. So it has to be high quality. Uh, also, what um, uh, I, I deployed that was so helpful was a peer review process, mm. back and forth, back and why is that for you to get first of all get comfortable with receiving feedback from your colleagues but also to get an insight into how they think and how they would approach a bullet or a subject or a topic so that now you start to get this um this type of uh training on the job training by learning watching and listening through peer review and so we are not afraid to say, okay, this is what I put together. Tell me what I'm missing, where I'm wrong. How could we reorganize this? What wording can I change? What diagram could I insert? Or does this diagram make sense? When you have your team providing feedback, that document, that presentation, that product, that service is going to come out top notch. So it is understanding that the starting point is Whatever you produce or deliver could land at the very top, anticipate that, design, deliver for that, and that be comfortable with executing a peer review process throughout your organization. Because you will almost always uh, come across an idea that wasn't considered, that wasn't, um, that was non-viable initially, but actually now makes sense. So those two things, um, we've deployed and they have, they have just yielded so much, um, so much opportunity for us to grow and learn and strive for that um, high quality, elegant enough uh, product or service. I, I love that. So the world you work in, the the government contracting space, um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've had a number of people I've talked to this year of, of startups and entrepreneurs say, you know, because the commercial market has had such a high and a low, uh, they're saying, you know, I'm going to go into the government contracting area. And and I know that when we hear that for you and I are like, let's pause for a minute before you jump into the land of what you think is milk and honey. <laughs> because... <laughs> Is there business there? Yes. Or is it? Can it be amazing and quite profitable? Yes. But Jasmine, without the seek, sharing the secret sauce, if there is a leader who's saying, you know, and, and this comes up to me because of, you know, at the height of COVID, uh, the governor of New York 
had did a press conference and held up garments that he could not find anyone to manufacture in the state of New York. I think one was a hospital gown, the other was the plastic PPP uh, mask, and then the the other mask. And and the state of New York set up a fund where they said, we will pay your business to transition, I'm paraphrasing, to manufacture these and then invoice us and we will pay you again. You know, we're trying to find, and, and to some degree, not all of the parts and the elements, they had to be, you know, imported in, but they were just trying to find one main contact person and say, can you just run the show? We can just go to someone. And so that was a, 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 a government contract available, not on the federal level, but on the local level. So people started thinking about, well, where are there some other needs? So so I'm sure that you and your colleagues that have lived in this space of government contracting before COVID, they're starting to see an influx now of those trying to tip their toe in the water. But it is not as simple to navigate as people may think. Could you share yeah. with us if someone is thinking, I'm, you know, my organization, we're going to shift and just do government work. Well, what should they be prepared for first? And is that even, I know it's the leader's decision, but I don't always think it is the right move for an organization. So could you share your thoughts on the new heightened interest in getting into the government contracting space? Yes, absolutely. So I will first say that government contracting is not for the faint of heart. So if you expect that you might be paid in six months, put that in the grinder. It might be more like 12 to 18 months. So what kind of financial resources do you have to carry your firm through that um, federal business development life cycle? And it takes a while to build those relationships, to identify uh, those customers through market research, to get in front of the right decision makers, and then from there to actually develop a solution or plan um, that will address their issues. And um, understanding that, you know, those priorities are shifting, especially in the pandemic. So I would say don't fear going into government contracting, but ask if you had to do this with zero dollars for two years, would you still be in it? Yes. If the answer is no, then step away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that as um, you know, a, a woman-owned small business that I bootstrapped my company for eight years. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how many times I dumped my IRA or my 401k into this business to keep it afloat. But mm -hmm. I was willing to do that. I was willing to forego a paycheck to make sure we hit a target, to make sure we landed a customer. And that comes from, you know, this is your dream and you're not going to let it you know, go under. And so you have got to be that passionate about whatever it is you want to deliver to the federal government to step forward. If if you don't have that type of uh, determination and grit uh, for federal uh, business um, in terms of services, clients, support, all that kind of thing, then take a look at your commercial customers. Why? Because commercial customers, they pay up front and they pay on time, mm -hmm. you know? But if you want to shift into federal government contracting, be prepared. The contract may not be awarded until second quarter. In second quarter, it might take them 30 to 45 days to get your first invoice out. You know, those, those kinds of things to consider. It's really about the cash flow. Now, if you have deep pockets 
and you've got um, a strong federal business team. That means this team knows everything about federal business, a federal business manager. They know everything about contracting officers, relationships. They understand the FAR. If you have that kind of team on deck and you have deep pockets, go for it because it won't take your team long to get you know, new clients in the door. But if it's just you kind of, you know, drinking through a fire hose and trying to expand this other area of your business, which is going to be your federal uh, contracting um, uh, arm, um, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to yeah. be tough. And I can tell you that, yeah, it was tough, but tough did not matter to me. Hard was expected. I expected it to be tough and hard, and that was just part of the deal. You know, tough and did not uh, matter. Can you just repeat that? Tough did not matter. That's that, commitment as a leader. Yes, tough. It didn't matter. You know, when they, if you have, especially during a pandem- pandemic, they say, "Oh, think outside the box." I say, take that box and throw it away, because anything is possible if you're willing to innovate, if you're willing to research your customer, if you're willing to know what the issue is. Anything. It's possible. So go beyond thinking outside the box, <laughs> you know? So um, there's just got to be that mindset that no matter what, um, this, this is it. This is, this is it, all or nothing. And, you know, you'll know that feeling because you could wake up a thousand days with no paycheck and you're still skipping and, and yeah. happy-go-lucky, and, you know, sending up a praise. So, <laughs> hey, you know, it's got to be that thick for you to want to go there. And if you don't feel it like that, or you don't have the resources to last that long, then wait until the time is right. Wait until you do have your business model, your operations ready to go for the federal side, because you may have been extremely successful on the commercial side, but the federal side is a whole nother ball of wax. So um, I recommend getting the subject matter expertise you need to do that. And and those who can produce, not just give you a Rolodex. Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself. Give you a Rolodex of <laughs> say contacts, um, you know. But beyond the contacts, what can you deliver to me within the next thirty to sixty days? Right. And if the answer is uh, right. no, I had, and I was actually faced with that, where I had a business development company call me and say, hey. We'd like to do business development with you. We know you're federal contracting. Here's what we here's what we charge. That kind of thing. And I said, okay, this is this is a reasonable price. I said, but I have a question for you. Who is embedded in these agencies? Who can walk down the hall and go into the next queue and tap on the deputy director who is the head of this project? who may need some additional support via a contract or via a modification. I said, who do you have embedded? Nobody. I said, then understand me that whatever business development you do is not going to get me to where I need. You need people who are embedded, who know where, you know, um, Lieutenant so-and-so or or, or Major so-and-so is in Office 1B. That is where, when you have people who can, going off on the door who can say, Hey, I've got this, this uh, firm who can actually address, you know, priority number three in, in our first quarter. Now we're talking, 
that is more than a warm introduction. And you what, know and that I love what you're saying, Jasmine, because you one, I'm sure our audience can tell Jasmine knows her stuff. But what I'm hearing is as a leader, you need to know your stuff and you need to ensure your team does. This isn't just the time of when you could do just enough has so passed us by. It passed us by before COVID. There are a lot of leaders who are watching this. You are realizing you don't have the star players in your team that you thought um, because they're not willing to navigate or adjust. Everyone must do 150% because if the organization stays around, the jobs stay around. And your employees don't have to be a part of the 42 million Americans that have been furloughed or unemployed this year. And so you have to be all in. And I'm so loving this conversation because I, I think they're, especially coming from us as women, because, you know, you know yeah. it's. It's very rare I hear another woman say, I'm committed, I'm all in, you know, this is what I'm going for. You have to be like a dog with a bone or a mama bear over your business to say, I am protecting this because if you don't, the competition will take you out where we need to be the hunters. We need to be the ones that are coming in and building the relationship. It reminds me of how you and I met and I want to say was it was it 2019 or 18 it was you know we're hearing was it 18 I think it was 18 yeah um and it was a business development cold call it was a yellow pages and I rang up the phone and Jasmine was kind enough to not hang up on me and we just kept the relationship going and so as we go into 2021, the reason I bring that up is, is what used to be considered the old school methods of building business relationships, of, of getting new business. There is nothing that beats that personal relationship and that introduction yeah. phone call. Um, would, would you say so, Jasmine, when it comes to business development? Because I think a lot of businesses are in the shiny bright object syndrome, especially if you're B2B or B2B government, b to nonprofit. You've got a relationship. You got to have more than that. You know, you've got to have more than just a shiny toy. And I will tell you, you can even look at examples like um, Bill Gates, um, Steve Jobs, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. These people, they know this. They actually built it with their own hands and know it through and through. So they were able to be the brand ambassador for their business. Even if you look at um, Oprah Winfrey, uh, of her entire empire, you know, um, she knows what's happening. Yes. You've got to know what's happening. You can't sit back and uh, there there are points where you can kind of, you know, sit back and, and, and let your superstars handle it. But then there's other times where you have it, where when you come to the table, that is where everybody is all ears and you've got to know your stuff. You, you really do. You have to know through experience, through customer relationships, what works and what doesn't work. And when they hear it from you, it brings a lot of credibility to the table. There you go. There you go. Well, Jasmine, one last question I'd like to ask all of our guests, executives that come on the show. This year has been the year of pivot, profitable pivot. We're probably tired of hearing the word pivot. Um, Without sharing the secret sauce, what is Gabriel Enterprises Consulting done in pivoting to stay ahead of the game? You know, I'm a firm believer in create your own economic stimulus plan, because if we were waiting for the next round to come around, what would we do for the past six to seven months? Um, So share with us anything that you and your team have had to do to really stay on for your goal this year. 
Absolutely. And, and really that comes from um, the word pivot. I love it because it's an opportunity to innovate. Yes. It is an opportunity to, to dream, to brainstorm, to reinvent, um, you know, maybe an area in the business that you never really gave a lot of thought to. So you've got to have, number one, your continuity of operations plan in place. Even if it's a, um, you know, one that sits on the shelf, it should be updated. For us, it was always being prepared for a government shutdown. That same plan we were able to leverage during, you know, sequestration and, and during um, uh, the, this global pandemic. And so that has to be up to date. Up to date, you have to know where to pivot, what your options are, and who are the customers who can help you during that that transition, that phase. That that can't be something you're trying to figure out. That has to be already identified, and those relationships should already be, you know, very strong, so that when a phone call is put in, it's just, hey, you know, what's going on? How can we help you? This is what we think we can do for you. And that, that organic growth, that uh, capturing the low-hanging fruit, it, it can be extremely profitable if you include that in your continuity of operations plan, your pivot plan, right? Um, the, <laughs> the next thing, no matter how big or how small you are, you have got to know your numbers. You've got to know at what point you have to start transitioning full-time to part-time. At what point do you have to... Um, shut down your fringe benefits. When is is the drop dead date for now having to um, go beyond a furlough and let people go? What point do you absolutely need a new customer or a new contract to either extend that runway of of keeping afloat or reverse um, going under? That has to already already be. Um, uh, something that you have developed, you're thinking about, you've got to know those numbers. And so we know uh, in terms of our projections where we'll be first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, what a new contract or client could do to first quarter, second quarter, or third quarter. What is the cost impact if we obtain two new clients versus five new clients? Because sometimes you're drinking from a fire hose and now you have five new clients and do you have the infrastructure in place? Have you planned that out? Have you projected out the resources uh, and, the, and, and, and the technology that you'll need to be able to support those new customers? So you have to, you have to have different scenarios. And I tell my team, I tell my leadership, give me worst case scenario right. up front. Because if I'm operating from a worst case scenario, you better believe I am motivated to make sure it doesn't come to fruition. There you go. There you go. It's all about being prepared. Audience, we could have, I think Jasmine, we could go on for at least another hour with this, but I want to honor the time that you've given us on today. Let our audience know, how can they connect with you? If there's someone who's saying, I need to connect with Jasmine, I may need what she has, share with us how they can connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you. So I am on LinkedIn, Jasmine Francois. You can also um, reach out to me on, um, uh, where, you'll see me on Facebook or Instagram as well. Just kind of my personal, uh, you know, uh, my personal little world. Reach out to me. Um, and you can also uh, reach out to us via our website, uh, Gabriel Enterprises, um, geconsultinggroup.com. So um, we, we look forward to partnerships 
uh, and supporting other businesses that kind of want to bounce ideas off, you know, you know, kind of a, just, Hey, what do you think about this? What, you know, am I in the right area? Am I looking in the right place? You know, because oftentimes it is so hard to cut through the noise. Oh, there was years of, you know, going this route or going that route where if I had just done this one thing, um, I would have saved me six months worth of time. And so, you know, I, I am passionate about education and supporting all of those businesses out there that are having to re you know, re, reassess, re, re-engineer, um, innovate uh, on a pivot. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I get it. So we all need to be out here um, helping each other. And so it certainly reach out to me on those uh, platforms. LinkedIn is really a good one to, to catch me, but also our website as well. And um, wish you all the best. Hang in there. Um, this too shall pass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome. We thank Jasmine Francois for being on today. Let's give her a virtual round of applause. And until next time, I will see you again on Critical Conversation in the C-Suite. Jasmine, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you.